Hey, everybody. Welcome to What's for Dinner. <laughs> Why do I feel like I sound on a fucking game show when I do that? Whatever, guys. Welcome to What's for Dinner. This is episode 165 with John DeResta. Uh, John's been on the show before. Incredibly funny comic. Good friend of the uh, good friend of the show. Good friend of me and Allison's. And uh, just a pleasure to have around. And uh, this week, um, John and I, we, uh, John, myself, and Allison talked for a uh, for good time. So this episode is going to be a long one. Usually I'd split these in half, but I'm like, you know what? Screw it. This was fun. It flowed. And uh, we talked a lot about um, John and his uh, love of carpentry, where that came from. And John's just an amazing storyteller. So toward the end, he gets some good stories about De Niro and um, about uh, Sandra Bullock. He tells a great story about that. So uh, just a fun, fun show. Always a fun show. This one, like I said, when the rest is on, it's just always great storytelling. Anyway, guys, um, and if anybody out there wants to see me live, I hope you're on a cruise ship. Because starting this week, oh, August uh, 15th, I will be on the Norwegian Getaway for a month. So if you happen to be going on a cruise on the Norwegian Getaway, you'll be seeing me this next month. So other than that, I hope you guys are having a good Tuesday, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy this episode 164, 165, 165 of What's for Dinner with John DeResta. Enjoy. Bye-bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Residuals. It plays all over the world, no residuals. You know, I get emails. Never since a whole life have I wanted to come and see comedian like you. <laughs> is that Transylvania? It is <laughs> Russia. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. We started. We on? Yeah, we're on. Okay. We're you always do that. You kind of like, you're kind of like, the <laughs> I don't want to say, you're like a molester in this. Fa- you're like, you don't even know, you don't even see me coming. All of a sudden, we're just doing it. <laughs> I'm the podcast rapist. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Like two fingers in my muffler. <laughs> Nice. Which is a great name for an auto <laughs> shop, <laughs> I think. Yeah, or a gay porno. Ooh, or both. That takes place in an auto exactly. shop. <laughs> there you go. Shaving Ryan's privates. There, there it is. Was that yours? Really good fellas. Really good fellas. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Rambone. Rambone. <laughs> Mr. Congeniality. Oh. Did, tell me somebody did that. No, 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 no. You want to hear a quick thing, though? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, on Miss Congeniality 2... I tend to, you know, have a big mouth. I'm a rankaholic. I like to talk about everyone behind their back. Okay. You know, I'm a schmuck. Right. And uh, what's your part like, though? Uh, I won't say what. What? Miss Congeniality <laughs> two. She was texting like crazy. I never saw anyone text before. And Sandra Bullock was dating Jesse James. It was hot and heavy. They were in love. And every time they said cut, she'd run off to the corner and do the texting, mm-hmm. which I never saw before. Right? She had the most newest device in 2004 before oh. everybody else did, or whatever the year was. Okay. And um, so I might have said a thing or two about Jesse James to some people. You know, I don't know. She One day she says like this, you come in the corner, pulls me in the corner, and I go, here it comes. And that happened with Bob De Niro, too. Uh, I got pulled to the corner by Sandra Bullock, and I go, here, you know, I'm a big mouth. She heard me say something. And you got to remember on a movie set, you have a microphone on. Oh, yeah. So right. if you're a rankaholic and you forget the microphone's on, you could literally lose your job. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. When you start to judge uh, people's sexuality. The producers, etc. Right, and you use the uh, f word, mm. ag fay. Yes, ah. yes. You know what I'm saying? You never that's, know. That's why you always make friends with the sound guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah. did you ever hear this story? De Niro was on a payphone years ago, and he was in a fight with a girlfriend or a wife or a lawyer. It was a very, very private conversation. De Niro, and he looked all the way across 
through the found, uh, uh, phone booth at a sound guy. And he just all of a sudden realized he said to the sound guy, are you listening to me? And the sound guy went like this <laughs> and shook his head. And another time. Uh, wait, wait, so what happened with Sandra Bullock? Which hold on. Like, I'll get there in I'll a second. Get, all right. Uh, Stallone once left his mic on. Cup my balls. Cup them. Cup my balls. He was fucking a girl from behind. And he wanted his balls cupped. And he was still wearing the mic. There you go. That's hilarious. And Sandra Bullock pulls me to the side and I go, here it comes. And she goes, I just want to tell you something. I got a humongous laugh yesterday at your, you, you gave me a joke that worked like gangbusters. I go, what do you mean? I had asked her a few days ago before that. I said, will there be a part three? You know, there's part two. Why not a part three? Yeah. You know, can I bank on a part three? And she said, no way, no how. Even if this one hits, I'm never doing another one. And I said, well, do a third one and call it Mr. Congeniality, starring yours truly. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Right? That was the end of it. Yeah. She said she was doing press for the movie a few days later. And in front of whatever it was, 200 reporters, somebody said, well, there'll be a third one. And she said, yes, it'll be called Mr. Congeniality. And she nice. said it got such a big laugh that she had a hold for about 15 seconds. <laughs> That's fantastic. So that all came out of the Mr. Congeniality gay porno joke. I see. Hilarious. That's, that's actually cool to know. Like, I, f I, I like it when comics, if a comic happens to do another guy's line on stage, just it's in the moment. It's they, they needed something to bail them out of a situation. They remembered somebody else's line. Sure. And did it. But they call the comic and say, look, I got in a bind. I had to do your line. I just want you to know in case you heard through the grapevine. So I think that's cool that uh, Sandra Bullock gave you credit. Well, I <laughs> did it. I did that on Howard Stern. I bit someone's joke on Howard Stern. Really? And I felt really bad till I communicated with Jeffrey Ross uh. and told him. I uh, was on Stern about having the lowest rated sitcom and, uh, and I was headlining Caroline's Comedy Club. This is in the last century. And um, <laughs> for real. And I was on Stern, and he said, hey, by the way, you know, I did my segment. I was funny, 30 minutes, whatever. He goes, there's six girls that want to be judged to be in Playboy. Would you want to be a judge? I said, dude, are you kidding me? I just died and went to heaven. Everything I've ever done, that was the most fun. You know what I mean? Of course. And uh, there was this one girl, and uh, she was a little bit heavy set. And Stern said, John, what do you think? And I had already gotten like three or four really good zingers that Stern loved. And uh, I said, uh, I don't know. I, th I think she might have joined SAG when it was firm. <laughs> <laughs> and That's and I got that. I had heard Jeff Ross say that. And I, I, I and there was no Twitter. There was no, you know, there was like, you know, if he had a website, I tried to reach out and say, because the joke was on, it was already on the air that day. I stole the joke. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in hindsight, that might be a stock joke. You know what I mean? That might be a stock joke. Yeah. But I tried to reach out and and I did apologize and and it was no big deal. Well, that's, but that's it does happen. It oh, does yeah. happen. I've uh, I actually on the sh on the ship we we're talking about before we started recording. I'm leaving tomorrow to go work on the ship for a month, and um, like one of my first weeks, I was uh, as I like doing crowd work, and you know every so often on the ship in the club, everybody behaves themselves normally, but you get sometimes you get like a prick, and so. Um, I did this line. I go, uh, let me do my impression of you. Excuse me, I'm lost and looking for the center of attention. Oh, wait, here I am. Jimmy Schubert. It's a Jimmy Schubert line. Oh, okay. I see. I never heard that. Oh, yeah. It's Schubert's line. And he'd always done it offstage. But right. Yeah, you know, it's a great line. And said so it fucking shut him up. And I ended up doing it like two or three times on that run, and I felt awful. So uh, I ended up calling Schubert from the ship, and I said, look, man, 
I just want you to know I'm on a ship. It doesn't even matter, but I did this bit, and it really it's your line. It really bothered me. And he right. Goes, you know, Flip, I, uh, you know, I appreciate him. You're, you're a good egg, Flip. I, I don't even do the line on stage. You know, do it if you got to do it on the ship. But thanks for calling. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 yeah I did a week with him at the Borgata. And somehow, someway, I had brought Oxycontins. And <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and every that. night, we were stoned, chipping off a half. Shots of Jack Daniels, chipping off another half. <laughs> and we were, I mean, all I remember was just him and I. In a really nice hotel room at the Borgata <coughs> at 1, 2 in the morning, fucking laughing our ass off. You know, I mean, Chipping like, OCs like, down. like a really special, just fun week oh, of yeah. every night. Let's see how many more do we have? You know, <laughs> trying to make them last. I love it. Yeah. And I didn't really know him that well. And <laughs> we had a night Nothing off. brings comics together like Oxycontin. <laughs> we, we actually had a night off. I don't know. Do you ever do the Borgatas? They'll give you Friday. You get paid for the week, and they'll give you a Friday, Saturday night off with pay. Wow. They'll give what? you Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Well, if like Van Halen or Dice Clay oh, yeah, gets yeah. this 1,000-seat showroom. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of that week, and it's happened to me every time. I wow. mean, there's been times where I did a show Tuesday, Wednesday, and they said, come back Sunday for your check. Where's the Borgata? Uh, Atlantic City, New oh, Jersey. Oh, okay, okay. But again, the room is always through, you know, David Spade or, you know, yeah. Kevin James. And uh, during the Schubert week, we had a, a night, a Friday night off, and I can't do his voice, but he goes, do you want to do a gig? It pays 250 I said, of course. I mean, a night, and we're already getting paid. Do I want to do a gig? And we did a gig in a bar. He got us the gig somehow. Um and it was fun, and afterwards we went out, and everyone knew who we were from the gig. You know, we were like, you know, here's the comedians from the Borgata, but now they're hanging out with us. Nice. And Jimmy Schubert said, and there was hot girls, and they were hitting on us, and I remember him saying, this is the only job on earth where you can make 60 grand a year and live like a millionaire. Absolutely. Which, which I've never heard before about a stand-up comedian. That's true. Yeah. We had a lot of fun, dude, the Oxycontins. <laughs> and he has a piece of John rest of Furniture. <laughs> Jimmy Schubert does. I made him a piece of furniture. Oh, did you? Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. What'd you yeah, make? A shelf unit. Well, good for you. Blue shelf unit. It used to be on the cover of one of my postcards, you know, that I gave out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over on uh, Coldwater, next to the pizza joint. You know where he lives? You guys know where he lives? Mm-hmm. It's still Tell that three, us. That What's the address? That it's like that apartment building where, what's his name lived? Uh, Gardell. Yeah, Billy yeah. Gardell lived there. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I. I haven't been to his apartment. I used to. I saw his. He used to rent a townhouse or something in Sherman Oaks years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, again, that's the last time I saw. Sh- oh, I uh, was, and Schubert also. Again, not having that much experience with him or not knowing him that well. He's the first guy ever that was uh, like. We kept. Like, I was at his house designing this furniture, and he kept going to his computer, and I go, "Dude, what are you doing?" He goes, "I'm doing a Twitter." I'm like, what the fuck is that? Is that gay shit? <laughs> He's the first guy I ever heard mention or talk about Twitter. Really? Oh. And that, again, had to be when it, whenever it first started. Oh, Shuby's always been like, uh, oh, I remember I met him because he was living down in Florida when I started. He's from Philly, was out here in the 80s, toured with Kinnison, and then um, left L.A. to go to Florida to kind of reestablish himself. So he was living down there when I was coming up. And, um, no, I remember Shuby was like, he was the first comic I knew that had like an email blast, had like a mailing list. Right. He made, this is back, I guess, before everybody knew how to make a website. So he had like an, his AOL space. Oh, no shit. His website. Yeah, he was always like kind of a little ahead of the curve. Yeah. And again, you know, he, he had the time. That's another thing I noticed. He had the time. 
he was a full-time comedian. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, he sold his shit 24-7. Oh, yeah. Where I'm out chasing the money. I picked, I'm late coming here because I just picked garbage. Not only did I pick garbage between here and Victorio's, I pulled over to pick garbage, and a guy who was picking the garbage said, that's my garbage. <laughs> this is all just now. I said, <laughs> I said, are you sure? He said, well, the, the people abandoned this house. I moved that wood to the front. That's all mine. And I said, okay, no problem. He goes, I'll tell you what. If you give me a ride 10 houses down, I'll split some of that with you. So not <laughs> only did I pick his garbage that was someone else's garbage, he then got him. He put it in my pickup truck. He, he's about 10 houses down from you between here and Victoria's. I drove <laughs> him to his house. Listen, lot. while I, I, he, I, I just sat in my car while he unloaded. I said, I'm not going to help him. But I was, and then I said, I know you guys were waiting. So I said, let me hop out, hop out, and hop out, and help out, and help, help him. And I stole wood from him. I made like, in other words, I took it out, and I saw that he wasn't looking, and I put it right back in my truck and laid it lower than, you know, the bed of the truck? Yeah. I laid it down, and so he... This is, no, but this is quite, you're like the funniest person alive. You just, oh my God, you're so but funny. But I, I got it. This I'm, is great. I have to hustle. I'm so hard. I have to fucking hustle. You are a fucking hustler, you're man. an incredible hustler. You're... You're one of the guys Gosh. that you know. You know what I love about you is that you're a great comic, but you have this passion with the uh, picking and the tra dumpster diving. As right, you call it. right. And I have the sickness. It's a, <laughs> Would you call it a sickness? It is the sickness. That's what it's called. It's called the sickness. You don't have it because you just want to keep. You don't building even know about it. I don't think so. You guys don't have it. Treasure. Oh, I'm trashing the treasure. Definitely. Do you have the sickness though? I'm pretty. Do sick. you have to stop at a garage though? Um, ugh, I do like to go. I mean, I. No, you don't have to. We no, pass by. It, it won't bother you to pass by. Oh, okay. It won't, no, it won't bother me. Okay. No, then, then, uh, have you ever done a drive by? I definitely do oogle at some people's, like, furniture on the, on the curb. Okay. I'm definitely an oogler. <coughs> I have taken a couple of things. In uh, the have past. you ever gone back Sunday evening knowing that it's probably be on the <laughs> curb for free? My dad will look someone in the eye, go, I'll give you $5 for this tool. They go, come on, guy, it's 20 I'll give you a dollar. He'll go down. <laughs> go down. Then he'll say, I'll pick it up off your curb Monday morning. He'll look him right in the eye. That's the sick. Like, the sickness is not hoarding. It's you love junk. You love picking. You love garage sales, flea markets. Now, is it, it <coughs> excuse me, is it the thrill of the buy of, of getting them down a price? It's, 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 like it's multi-leveled. It's multi-leveled. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, no it is. This is interesting. This no, is it's, it's not. The th it's the thrill of the hunt is what my wife, then you have the fever. Every Saturday morning, my wife, I, I got it. Let's do another one. That was fun. Let's do another one. Mm. It's, it's a combination, I guess, of about 10 things. One being getting a really good price on something. Yes. You know, oh, whatever know it that. is. Getting now a couch for $5. Jews. As we're Jews, Jews we get that. Yeah, like we're what you're sitting on, we got yeah, yeah, on Craigslist yeah. for Yeah, it's cheap. getting a good price. It's finding something that you may not uh, normally find. I mean, I have tons of acting books that I would have never found in Long Island at garage sales because people get starved out here. Yeah. You know, people put of everything course. they own on the curb and move back to Florida, move back to Kansas, 100%. wherever it is. Um, I just saw a client uh, today, a woman, designed a bed frame and a headboard, and on the way out, I looked, and there was a bunch of junk on a table, you know, an apartment building in Hollywood. And I said, that might be someone's apartment, which I've been guilty of, of walking into an apartment <laughs> thinking it was like, you know, the storeroom. You're right. So I, w I stuck my head in. I saw the washer and dryer and the stack of books. It must be where everyone just throws books that they don't want, yeah, yeah. that other people in the apartment. And I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> I had to shuffle through. This is an hour ago before the other picking story. Right. And it was like, 
You know, do I need a book about George Stephanopoulos' life? You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you place a value. I pushed everything out of the way, and it was the ultimate book on improving. This wow. thing. Oh, wow. Improv. And I think I already own it, but I fucking <laughs> took it anyway. And I took it, and I, and I surreptitiously hid it under my notebook. You know what I'm saying? In case anyone saw me leaving that washroom. Right. So that's the thrill of the hunt. That's the thrill of getting something for free. Yeah. But then for me... I turn stuff into money. Yes, like the, the little stack of wood I just got and stole from that guy, the <laughs> stuff that I took right. and stole will be 50 to $100 a in a bench or a coffee. Men. I'm saying in a bench or a coffee table. Amen. You know what I mean? So it's, and it's, so it's also, it's not just getting the shit for free or sneaking it away. It's creating it something out of the you. joke. Well, for me, it's, you know, it's the trash to cash aspect. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'll... Uh, I'll almost at any garage sale, my dad used to say any old tools because a lot of times the husband dies and they don't have they don't know what the worth is of the tools. Yeah. I always ask any old planks at every garage sale and 99 percent of the time they go, I had something in the garage. It's been there since you know my parents bought the house and those old wide planks that'll be leaning up or up in the rafters that they're of like wood? saving dining room table, 500 bucks that has a <laughs> That has a patina on it that you can't buy because it's been in a dusty garage or yeah. outdoors. God, we had so much stupid old wood underneath like that. Uh, we had like a we just moved and we had um, a storage unit that had oh, yeah. uh, just an enti- the entire bottom. That's what I mean. Any old pine plank. Should have called John. Yeah. Damn it. Well, not for future. We will actually yeah. keep it. I mind. mean, I actually uh, I'm thinking of uh, making a business card that actually says I buy old wooden planks. You know what I mean? Because that, that's that's. It's money in the bank. It's weird that you could take, you know, let's just say three planks, throw, a, a, you know, rails around them and legs yeah. that, you know, you could a $40 investment can turn into five, seven hundred dollars. It's weird because a big, nice, stately looking dining room table looks right. like it has a lot of work in it. Right. Right. Even I've learned that when people say, how long does it take you to make one of these? I don't say an hour anymore because it's hard to say I'm going to charge you 500 bucks for an hour. Yeah. Day. I go, well, we me and my son do about one project a day. But if we wanted to, we could make three or four dining room tables in a day easy with breaks, with fucking pot, cigars, Jillian Barbary. Jesus. <laughs> Seven ninety. What are we three talking to six. about making? We've been talking about a headboard for the damn bed for a I could show you about 15 years. headboards. Jesus. Hold what are we on. Doing yeah, but I know oh. always be closing. But wait, but, but I know <laughs> it costs you like eight bucks in wood. And no, 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 no. Like That's very expensive. And it takes a long time. It takes more than an hour. I mean, it's, Wait, John's it's one pulling out his phone now to uh, show us some of his headboards. What it's came fantastic. first, though? What came first, the bug for comedy or for uh, garage sales? No, that's a good question. I, um, I've i always been a carpenter. Uh, since I was a little kid, I had craft items. But I knew the day I got the sickness. So that's... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no problem. What was the day you Is got the sickness? Is there a fire? I saw you running. Uh, my dad I'm took. Trying not to be no, I'm only kidding. My dad took me to a lot of garage sales and flea markets as a kid, and we used to go. I don't know if you guys, you guys go to flea markets. No, you know really. how you, well, you know how you walk down the aisle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad would walk down one side, speak to every guy, talk to everyone, shake their hand, you know, talk about their shit, make a U-turn, and then do it on the other side. That's as compared to nowadays, people just walk down the middle and bounce back and forth. Right. Yeah. He stopped at almost every guy with kids. Okay. Long wow. story short. I know it's too late for that. <laughs> I was about five or six years old Okay. in Long Island. Did you ever see the movie Lords of Flatbush? No. Do no. you know of it? I know of it. It's a fantastic movie. They go to a drive-in movie, and it's in Valley Stream, Long Island. 
And Valley Stream is the last town before Queens. Okay. You know, at the red light, you go from Long Island to New York City through a red light. At the drive-in movie, they always had a flea market. And I was about five or six years old, and I found a piece of chain with two handles on it. So imagine a chain with two flat handles. And I knew it was a, an antique twisty cuff from the NYPD. In the early 1900s, they put it on the guy's wrist. The two handles clipped together. They tighten it to the point where it was just about to crush your wrist bone. And they'd walk you to the cell or to the court or wherever. Right. And the second you gave him any shit, that eighth of an inch turn, ah, oh you go down on one knee. You're, it's fucking, it's a complete pain inducer. Oh, shit. It's called a twisty cuff. <laughs> and then they give it a cute So I pull twisty. it up out of a cardboard box. I remember like it was yesterday. I pulled it up out of a cardboard box. And I knew it was a twisty cuff from the NYPD. I knew it was an antique and a cool item. I said to the guy, how much do you want for this piece of chain at five years old? He already knew. Piece of chain. He goes, a nickel. I sold it an hour later for $6. Wow. wow. That's like 80,000% profit. I sold it to Jimmy Hellison. Who was <laughs> it? You know Jimmy? Yep, Jimmy Hellison. Wow. Jimmy Hellison no bought it. He was above at seven years old. He knew he wanted to be a New York City cop. He bought it for five or six bucks. How did you know that this was a thing? Did you somehow, like some way, my dad was a fireman. Okay, gotcha. So somehow, some way, I might have saw a New York City cop. That's a good question. I don't remember how I knew. Mm. But whenever you go to the firehouse, I don't know if you know this in New York City, there's always cops hanging around yeah. with their shoes off, gun belt off. They're in on the meal. They're, they're in on the porno movies. It's in. a hangout. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I might have saw it there, but I. So I had this sickness always as a kid, and then I started uh, a craft business. In fifth grade, I had a craft business out of my dad's workshop. So the two of them mixed together very early in my life. So you... You you dig what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, I don't even really realize that I have it. It's just, it's part of my... Like I carry, like I carry very uh, well-made, very tight, I like the way they feel, uh, work gloves. Okay. In the front seat of my car all the time now, 24-7, in case I want to pull over and pick garbage. Clearly. Or see something. Or you know what? A lot of people will just put like a set of four chairs on the curb. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I put them right in my truck, and on Sunday at Melrose, they're 100 150 bucks. They're antique chairs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't do anything to them. I don't even fucking, you know, clean the cobwebs off. So sometimes. basically mm-hmm. what you're saying is along the curb of most any given neighborhood is like a couple hundred bucks just waiting. Eh, to I s- well, in, in especially, you know, my stand-up act, for some reason in North Hollywood, everyone puts junk out. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Purple yeah. couches. You, you know? should totally do like an hour. You should do an hour show where like you bring a little bit of wood and then like towards the show, you've built something at the same time where you're doing comedy and then at the end you raffle it off. Well, I always thought about that. It, 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 my next one-man show might be called The Rest of the Story, From Rags <laughs> to Riches to, to Ragging rags. on People. Oh, okay. That's yeah, great. but uh, it might be when you walk in the lobby and you just see the poster or whatever it is, everyone pays to get in, they see me for an hour and a half, whatever the show is. When they come out, the whole sale is set up. On the way out, now there's tables, benches, you know, life is a dry hand job signs. Or the other thing I've always thought of you was life is a dry hand job. I, I sell signs that say life is a dry hand job. You didn't know <laughs> that? I did not Hilarious. know that. I have it trademarked $1,500. Thank you. Very Woo. nice. Yeah. Well, it's the people stop and laugh at that at my flea market spot in Hollywood. I sell every Sunday. I don't go on the road anymore. I sell every Sunday at a flea market in Hollywood. Um, so you're not on the road. You're doing everything in town now? 
Pretty much. I mean, I'm, you know, I got done with the fucking, you know, 1250 pay your own fucking way. You know what I mean? The cook's going to pick you up, but he was late. So just take a cab. You know, I, I got done a call in the comedy club at one in the afternoon on Wednesday and no one answered. Um, I, I used to do it all the time. And, and now, I mean, I do a lot of cop functions, you know, one nighters. I'll mm-hmm. do a one nighter, but I very rarely, you know, go to the here's what happened to me in two. Th- I was. I played every improv. I have headlined every improv they have. When David Tell can't get a smoking room, when that crazy blonde skank loses her mind that had a sitcom in the eighties. What was her name? Oh, um, you know, it's Brett Butler. Brett Butler. When she has a nervous breakdown, I get a phone call Wednesday night. Can you fly to Tampa tomorrow? I was I was on the B circuit of all the other clubs. I had headlined Caroline's once or twice. And little by little, without being on TV and without really working it the way Jimmy Schubert or Mike Marino works it, it started to dry up. It started to dry up. If you don't put asses in the seats, you're getting 1500 Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah. You pay your way to get here in the rain, in the snow. We're sorry that the, that hotel was booked, so you're going to stay in the owner's basement with his <laughs> retarded son. <laughs> he might stick his finger in your asshole in the middle of the night, but, you know, you, you want the gig, don't you? You've played yes. Biloxi then. What? Yeah. you played Biloxi. Yeah. 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 So, and then here's what happened. In 2008, all of a sudden there was a recession, and every fucking body that had the name Wayans, Cho, or worked on Saturday Night Live for six months and you never heard of them, all came back to stand up mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I got completely pushed down one full level to now it was again, you know, C- Seattle C- for fucking Thursday through Sunday for twelve hundred. And I wind up, I realized the handwriting was on the wall for me that my son needed a job and I can't depend on this because the, the, the gigs are sporadic. They weren't every and every weekend when I'm on the road is when the son gets arrested, wife smashes the car. This breaks, that breaks. You know, I have a whole family to take care of. Yeah. So I just, I consciously made the decision to do three to four sets a week in L.A., no matter where it is. I'm, I'm not poo-pooing the, the Victorios. I'm not poo-pooing the scene. I'm not poo-pooing the Canoga Park Bowl. Ha-ha. I'm going to do three sets a week. And in my own voice, I'm going to fucking curse. I'm going to talk about my cock. I'm not going to worry about any club owner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm fucking done with them. I tried to do it all the right way, and it never worked. You know what I mean? I tried to play the game, and I said to myself, I got to make this table business work. So let me give you an example. Today is a Monday. Uh, I picked up 550 from a chick for a bed frame, mm-hmm. and then an hour later I picked up 900 for two cabinets in a restaurant. So today was a $1,400 day. For me, and I've yet to check my mailbox. I get residuals. So to end, I'm going out tonight to see to drop off to three different people, you know, table and bench, table and mm-hmm. bench, and a coffee table, with the attitude of cracking all three of them up, fucking up, down, inside out, wherever they're from, jokes. If they're gay, jokes. If they're Armenian. So it sounds really weird. Every single night, I'm getting my laughs off. I'm telling, like, I'll fucking tell long-winded stories just to practice my act on them. <laughs> you know, like they're at, like they, you know, the check's been written and they're like, oh, you know, my wife gets up at six in the morning. And I'm like, no, you got to When I was in Alaska, <laughs> I almost got fucked in the ass by a grizzly bear. Now I'm like cursing. I'll make fun of their dog in front of them, like to the point where they're like, hey, I go, you know, I'll walk in. If it's a little thing, I go, is that a dog? That looks like a rat. Is that a rat? 
Like I'm getting my own. Com- I'm treating them like an audience. Like an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying that. That's and so my point is tonight out of the three start people. giving you the light after like 10 minutes? Hold on. I, I, it hit me about four or five years ago that, holy shit, every, like I used to charge them to deliver it. Oh, I'd say pick up at the shop. Now they pick uh, how to tie it to the roof. How do I get out? It's stuck to the roof. Doesn't fit in the car. Murray doesn't fit in the car, and it takes time away from my building. Now I do a free delivery, right? So if it's you know within twenty miles, but what am I doing when I get there? Practicing your act. Talking them into the next piece of furniture. And yes, of course. You know, right here Maybe you might want a little table. I can make you. Do you guys? It looks like you could use a bed frame. I totally look in their fucking bed. Um, uh, and again, it's it's a weird combination. I do sets on the way to delivering furniture. I've done. How about this? I've delivered to, uh, and this is this is a far away. I've delivered to uh, the harbor, Ventura Harbor, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but stopped and dropped off the table that a woman uh, that I never even interacted with face to face. Hey, I got your phone number. My friend lives in Hollywood. Can you make a six? Blah blah blah. How much would it be? I said about seven fifty. She goes, Is it okay if I put it in your bank? Here's a person I never met that's going to Bank of America in Ventura, putting 700 bucks in my bank. And I said, I'll, I'm up in the headline next Friday, deliver the furniture and then get our free tickets and see her at the show. You know what I'm saying? So now it's kind of cross so cross networking kind of thing. Oh, I was fantastic. at jo- this is a true story. It was at John Lovitz. And it was for the first time ever once in his lifetime, he had an audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was like 100 in the base, the bottom and then like 50 up top. Wow. wow. I'm about five minutes into my set. I, I love that we're like, wow, at that. <laughs> I'm five minutes into my set, and a really pretty girl stands up, really pretty, and starts to scream, he made our table. <laughs> he <laughs> made our table. But it's now people think they see so many hidden camera shows, they think there's a weird setup. Because she's sexy as hell, she has big tits, and she's screaming, he made our table, which makes no sense to anybody. Not one right. person. <laughs> so then I have to explain to the audience, I'm also a carpenter and a woodworker, and I must have made this nice lady a table. Can you sit down and we'll get on with the show? <laughs> and it still had a weird vibe because people don't think you're a carpenter when they hear Miss Congeniality 1 and 2. Right. They think you're going to Coke parties with Bruce Willis. You know what I mean? You drive a fucking $80,000 Lexus Jeep or whatever the fuck it is. Afterwards, I went around, and it was a girl that all... Four or five, six or seven times I made furniture for her, she was always pregnant. She had three kids right in a row, all 11 months apart. Whoa. So I only knew her. She had a very pretty face. She and you w- happened to build her furniture every time she got pregnant. Every time. You sure they're not little Duresta's? Well, sorry I'm for the knock-up. Here's the table. I'm seeing her tomorrow night, actually. <laughs> she, has the most, she has the most furniture. Uh, she has like 25 pieces. Wow. Well, you know, a table with four chairs. Ta- they have a big house. They have a summer house. She's... Young couple, three kids. So I went over to the table and I realized it was her. Wow. You dig what I mean? Because now yeah. she wasn't pregnant. And she grabbed, I saw the husband. Johnny is his name. Nice guy. He manages like a Vons, but at night he's in a rock band. Oh, cool. You know what I mean? They have like, they, and they have three kids named like Elvis, Marley, and like, uh, like, uh, it's like Glenn Fry. It's like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Kenny Loggins. Yeah. What is it? It's Elvis. Marley, and there's one other real famous... Yankovic. There you go. Morrison? Uh, Something like that. Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lennon. I go Lennon's over to the table. I realize it's her. Her name's Carolyn Tucker. That might have been even her Texan. I'm seeing it tomorrow night. And she grabs me by the head and whispers in my ear, I love you. Oh. 
And it was weird because I was like, I kind of love you too, but your husband's right there looking at me while you're telling me you love me. <laughs> um, and I've seen her since, and uh, she never brought up the I love you thing. But anyway, that's another time that it crossed paths. I even did uh, the first time it ever happened. What's that black club? Comedy Union. Is that still open? I have no idea. It's been years since I've been there. Okay, the owner, Enns Mitchell. Did that that ring a bell? I'm sure I met him. He bought a bunch of furniture, so he started putting, giving me sets there. And one night I did a set, and I came off stage, and a girl said, Hey, man, uh, you look familiar. And I said, So do you. She goes, Do you make tables? (laughs) I said, I do. She goes, You made my table. So that's happened about a a half dozen times. That's so so crazy. And and ready for this? Did you ever play... um, the Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee? No. East Brady Street? No. One of the guys there wanted me to build him a bed frame while I was there on the weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wanted to pay me whatever it took. He'd drive me to and from the store. And I, I said, you know what? I'm really, it was really cold out, like it was winter. And I said, I'm kind of not here for that. And you can get hurt. You know, if you don't have the right workbench, the right work uh, table. Yeah, I would imagine you also want to be in your own space, too. That's what I'm saying. As, yeah. as, as, as a good idea as it was and a funny story it would have been, yeah. I remember somehow, some way, it just didn't happen. Howard was his name. And a funny story about Howard, he actually killed a heckler. Have you ever heard the story? Was he El- He was an Elkabong. No, who's El... Oh, With no, 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 no. We're talking death. We're not talking killed. Like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, we're talking out. Big comedy club in the sky. What? Wait, wait, wait. This is a comic you're saying? No, this is a bouncer at a comedy club <gasps> that is as much as I'll say, I don't want to say any more yeah, names. Of course, okay. of course, of course. That supposedly the guy mouthed off. They mouthed off again. This is during the show? Yeah. At he's a heckler. Comic, not at the at, bouncer. It well, started at the comic, and then, you know, the guy was drunk. They took him outside. They bonked him in the jaw, and they threw him in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> and it went 30 below that night. Oh. Oh, shit. Have a nice class. Oh, my God. Yeah, walrus, walrus. That's <gasps> Did a call he get back in trouble for that? No. He might now, if anyone listens to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the eight people you guys have in fucking... Hey, we have 12, and they're loyal, and I think one um, of them's a cop in Milwaukee. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I go to... Gar- when we go on the road, when I used to do the road more, and I take my wife, we go garage selling. We actually look... We, before we would go to Reno... Before we'd go to Vegas, before we'd go to Lake Tahoe, we would look for the local flea market. So, but so right now, so you don't go on the road anymore. You just do in-town spots, occasional one-nighters, but all your money's coming in from the carpentry. All, all. I make. I've made more money today than I've made as a comedian in five months. I r- literally almost don't get paid anymore. It's it's a sad thing. Even my brother. Now, what happened was the outer improvs don't have me because all the headliners have their own fucking middle act. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not big enough to headline. And a lot of times when they go, well, you can come to Brea for $50 on a Thursday night. You know, I can go meet a customer that wants to give me a thousand for a bed frame. It's really weird. It's like I like I got an email today that said looking for a headline of San Luis Obispo, not big pay. Did you get that text today? Uh, no. From Dante. $125. Oh. And my first reaction oh, was yes, paid gig, gig, paid stand up. I was ready to say yes. And my son goes. $125. How far away? I said, oh, it's like an hour away. And I look, it's 192 miles one yeah, way. Yeah, it's like three hours. Yeah. One way. Yeah. And this is the thing that turned me off to it. Uh, all the comedians will travel together. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fucking, I've been doing this enough. I don't want to have to pick up a guy, then pick up another guy. I'd rather travel alone. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to say, well, he's a fucking dick, and he thinks who he is. And in those six hours it's going to take to get there, 
come back and do a show. It's more I can meet two customers. Yeah. I can make a table that's $500 in value, and I can go to the scene and be there at 10 o'clock, and at 10.01, they say one more than you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then at 10.05, and do my half-hour set. No, no. Like, since I started doing the ships, like, uh, the money is, like, it's better than anything I've ever made from the right. clubs. So, you know, I still put out my veils to the clubs, and I'm still trying to be aggressive, but I'm not as desperate because right. I know that I have these ship gigs. But at the same time, it's kind of it's a nice, comfortable place to be to, like, know that I'm not, like I said, constantly uh, trying to get into the clubs again. And I'm not constantly, you know, trying to play the L.A. game so much. You know, it's nice right. to kind of relax. And it's, it's what the vibe I'm kind of getting from you. Like, you're still able to do the sets, like you said. The I'm ready for months. anything. I'm ready to do any club. I mean, I was a regular at the Laugh Factory. But it, fe but it feels good to not, like, have to constantly fuck my calendar's empty with oh it's always there. empty i don't give a fuck yeah but it's yeah it's it, nice to it's weird it's yeah. really weird um uh i mean even I, I i'm doing a one-nighter in baltimore for the six cops that killed uh freddie gray do you know about this you know uh, the, yeah yeah freddie gray in the back of the police wagon they yeah. knocked him around and uh, they're not really sure what happened back there it's a gray area and either w and either way there's going to be a riot at the comedy show okay <laughs> but but my point is I had to buy a plane ticket They're going to reimburse me And the fucking You know I do everything on my iPhone In the fucking To Burbank From Versus LAX That I land Who's You know what I mean All of that fucking shit Came back to me That I used to have to do Every single week And you got to book the ticket Because if you don't book it In one minute It's going to triple in yeah. price uh, All that shit dude All of it I mean I did it all And I would go back tomorrow but I'd rather go back at one show on a Saturday night for five grand, mm. you know, a la Louis C.K., a la Chris Rock or whoever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, or headline with a respectable hotel and a respectable paycheck and, you know, not be told you can't you, you got to eat off the comedian's menu. You know that whole deal? Yeah. Mulrooney lost the whole gig over that. Really? Mulrooney ordered a steak on a Thursday night and they flipped out in the kitchen. They didn't know who to tell to tell the comedian. That he can't have a steak. And he said, I'm willing to pay for the fucking steak. You could all go fuck yourself. And he split. I don't know where it was. I don't know what gig it was. Really? Yeah. Because he ordered a steak. God, you know what always pisses me off? And I don't want to get bitter. But when the clubs pat, uh, like hand down these fucking rules to the comics. Like, you can't do this. You can't order from this. You get, you, don't, you know, you can't get half-price drinks. Nobody else in the condo. Blah, blah, blah. Does it ever fucking occur to them that without us, they don't have a business? That without us, they have a restaurant with a stage? Well, how about you this? Know? Has it ever occurred to you that every comedian that came before you is a fucking douchebag, crybaby, low self-esteem asshole that downloads kitty porn on the comedy club's fucking, uh, you know what I mean? Oh, they've yeah, all yeah. ruined it. Oh, yeah. The they've ruined apples. it. The bad Over. apples. Oh, yeah. They've ruined it. I'm yeah. pretty sure. You ever do that gig in Myrtle Beach that was owned by a couple? Oh, no, but I heard about it. Yeah. I, Comedy I, I, Cabana. Cabana, yes. They put you in a little condo, not so bad. I mean, nice group. They give you $900, and you got to get there on your own. So after Thursday through Sunday to fly from L.A., you're making 300 bucks for five shows. Yeah. For five nights out of my life, five days out of my life. And I'm pretty sure that's the gig that had a yellow, black, yellow, black, yellow, black line that said, if you step on the other side of this line, we will fire you. Because that's where the kitchen was, and that's where the waitresses were. You know, that's where guys would just hang around and try and pick up the waitresses. Oh, 
Peter. I'm just saying that's how the disrespect. You know what I mean? It, it trickled down. You it, know, it, it trickles down because some some fucking idiot, like you said, downloaded kitty porn or uh, fucked a waitress and she got pissed. Raped got a waitress. Raped. Eh? <laughs> too many comics to list. Uh, but whatever. And then suddenly, like, oh yeah, well you know we used to let the comics uh, hang out, uh, you know, in the green room. But then somebody was doing coke, so you got to sit out here in the back booth unless we have it seated and then just stand by the bar. Yeah, I mean times a thousand. Times a thousand. Um, or just like going, like I actually did a gig, I won't name the club, but uh, where they charged me, I asked, where I was on the show, they, I asked for cookies and milk. They offered this little cookies and milk thing. They give me six cookies and a, like a shot glass of milk. $11. Yeah. $11. And I said, why? I, I'm on the show and you're giving me something that I know for a fact costs $1.50 maybe. Yeah. You know, two fifty if you want to yeah. gouge me a little. And 11 fucking dollars. Plus tip. So... Yeah, so so for me, um, uh, like I said, I'm going to probably take all these shows that I'm doing now in L.A. and probably mix them down into a one-man show. You know what I'm saying? All yeah. the stories, all the, you know, the sickness, being married, show business. You know, everyone thinks I'm going to Coke parties with Bruce Willis, but I'm not. You know what I mean? That whole shtick. Um, again, I kind of miss checking into a hotel and... Getting the room all messy. Yeah, so I was going to ask you if, like, if, if you still have that. Oh, like, without that. a doubt. But like I said, it's just, you know, I, I not to overshare, yesterday was the Rose Bowl and the Pomona Auto Swap Meet. So that affects my business at the Melrose Trading Post. You know, there's only so many people that go to flea markets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I still left there yesterday with seven seven fifty, And wow. that was tap dancing. Fucking giving shit away, you know, literally like a monkey on a string. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you free delivery. Or can you sand this? Uh, yeah. So set what's seven plus nine plus five fifty. Oh, so seven hundred and nine has sixteen. Twenty one fifty. Yeah. In twenty four hours. Well. You know what I'm saying? Now as opposed to as opposed to that same money twenty one fifty. It, it with in fucking you, it, in Uncle Funnies and you know staying in a fucking condo with some douchebag middle act that all week is trying to prove that he's funnier than me oh on and off stage, you Just know, or working with Vinny Favorito, you know that guy. I and, know Vinny. You know, I look, heard the story about Vinny too. Look, you heard the story from me. I've heard. Well, I've heard many stories. About oh. I'm just talking about what happened to him at the in Vegas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I meet the guy one minute into a whole week. I have to work with him. Look. You may have it all over me in TV and movies. This is my town. Holy God. Like I'm in a fucking movie with James Cagney. This is my town. Holy uh, was that, wait, that what, the guy town? from Vegas? Vegas. This oh, is my town. Before oh, he had his fucking he had hacky show? fucking crowd work show that any fucking a-hole could do. Oh, yeah, that's what that's the guy we saw on the, uh, uh, there was like some little thing in Vegas, right? That yeah, was it was at the from, Flamingo. Yeah. Yeah. But that uh, that's not around. But anymore. I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, yeah, but no, it's like I, I always I, I'm such a nice guy. I always used to think New York City cabbies would wave at each other because they were just both cabbies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like, it was a common, and, I, and I came up as a comedian thinking we all had a common goal that we would they had to make people laugh. Yeah. And I didn't know there were a bunch of low self-esteem, fucking scumbag, asshole, petty fucking wannabe douchebags well speaking of petty douchebags flip it's a time in our show <laughs> for wow. well, that was a good segue i had to jump on it do you remember the last show that we did together 
Uh, stand-up show? No, 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 I mean uh, show here. Podcast? What, what she's getting at is it's time for the Skippy Green show. <laughs> oh, okay. I like Skippy Green. That's the old Catskill comedian. Skippy Green Yeah, dig that show. guy. Petty douchebags. <laughs> scumbags. This is the cream of the crop right here. John DeResta, you prick. The last time I saw you, you and I were fisting Vinny Favorito in the green room at Sh- the Sheboygan Funny Clit. Do you this remember that? Yeah, and he said, this is my show. This, this is, is my town. This is my asshole you're fucking. There you go. Jesus, we're all doing me. <laughs> all right, DeResta. Go ahead. Here's how it goes. I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead. Got to answer the question in 10 words. Okay. Not 11, not 9, 10 words. Watch your hand. She'll count okay. for you. Here we go. If you. Could fuck. Okay. Duh. On any piece of furniture that you made. <laughs> Yay. What piece of furniture would that be and why? Ten words. The table at Rosewood Tavern. At Rosewood Tavern, okay. Because Will Farrell. Ate there. <laughs> I feel the same way about his wife. I don't know his wife. But he ate there too, and that's why she's my pra- favorite piece of furniture. Table. That's a, is that a true story? Will Farrell was seen getting drunk at a John DeResta table. That's fantastic. That's yeah. They get around. <laughs> One of my tables is in a porno movie, Skippy Green. So does Skippy Green. Wait, what? We were running the theme music there for a second. One of my tables is in a porno movie. Which one and where can I find it? Devil and Miss Jones, the remake, 2006 opening scene. They have breakfast before they fuck. You know what? I don't like remakes. I like originals. The Devil Uh. and Mrs. Brown, the original of 1978. (laughs) Big Harry Bush. (laughs) Mm. Is that the sound she makes? (laughs) Why don't you interview me and I'll only answer in whistles. All right. And hand motions that nobody can see. I love this. Go You're ahead. the funniest fucking person alive. I am? Both times. Thank you. Like, you're just, your entire demeanor is hilarious. Like well, he's New York. He's <laughs> 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 All right, so, uh, so, John, let me ask you, a qu- can I ask you a question? Jesus Christ. Okay. Um... What would you say is your uh, top favorite comedy movie? <laughs> Part one or two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sequel is definitely better. I like oh, Bill and God. Ted's The uh, Bogus I loved, Journey. I loved Ed Norton in that movie. King oh. Comedy. King Comedy. My friend is in it, Bob De Niro. King Comedy. King I, have it, I know it by heart. Really? Challenge me in any scene. Any scene. Any scene? Ma. Any scene. Any scene. All right. What? Uh, name all the stand-ups, uh, all the cutouts that he was interviewing on the set in his basement. Dick Cavett, Liza Minnelli. Very good. Am I close? I think so. I think H- how about this? How about getting drunk with Robert De Niro in a hotel room in 1999 with Ed Burns, the actor, and yeah. De Niro? Boxed like college drunk. Shots, doing movies from De Niro's, uh, lines from De Niro's movies, me and Ed Burns. So many that at one point De Niro goes, look, I do a lot of fucking movies. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> you know, lines that we all think that, you know, are he iconic, lives and yeah. dies by. Um, 
And uh, I asked them about Ronan. Did you ever see Ronan? No. Yeah. Okay, they chase a metal case. People right. are killed, spies, shootouts, helicopters all over a metal case. Like it, like you'd see a band carry. Yeah. You know this is something important in it. Like in Pulp Fiction. Like it, I didn't see Pulp Fiction, but the same day. Yeah. Um, so I said to De Niro that night, I go, dude, you, I watched the movie twice. You got to tell me what was in the case. He goes, how the fuck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. King of comedy reference. Finally, at about 2 in the morning, his wife, we didn't even know his wife, this hotel room was so big, we didn't know his wife and kid were there. She kind of, like, flips open a door and goes, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. He has to work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my God. And all of a sudden, a little kid comes out, a little four or five-year-old kid, he's half asleep. She goes, now you woke up the kid, you got to go. And De Niro's drunk and laughing, and he's pushing me and Ed Burns out of his hotel room laughing like he's, you know, pussy whipped, <laughs> laughing. And he's going, um... You guys got to go, or, or, or we'll see you tomorrow. And all I kept yelling was, so did Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> all I kept yelling was, so did Hitler. King of comedy. Yeah. Oh Have you ever seen that, honey? No. I haven't. Oh, And you know they didn't get along in the movie. Did you know that? De Niro and Lewis. Yeah, they didn't get along at That's all. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's and what I heard. Uh, Who, Lewis? Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis. Oh, really? Jerry Langford. So I'm pretty, sure that, I'm pretty sure that was an improv when De Niro said, so I made a mistake. So did Hitler. And he threw the golf club down. Mr. Jerry, Mr. Jerry, I didn't know what to do. He banged on the door. I don't know what to I scared. I called police. He know everything. He know your he golf score. He know everything. Score. He okay. know your golf score. Who <laughs> who was the voice of uh, De Niro's mother? <laughs> how did you learn how to do the Mexican whistle? Wait, wait. I want to know if he knows this answer. I do not. That you I have no idea. That's real? So you don't know? So his mother no. in the basement and he's... Uh, maybe. I would say... I would say uh, uh, I'm going to just take a wild guess. It was Martin Scorsese yelling as a woman. Very close. It was Scorsese's mom. Oh, okay. Got it. That was, that was a good, good guess. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Now, that, that fucking movie, man. I've, I had I, – I, I love De Niro anyway, and I saw that movie much at, later after it came out. But that movie made me respect Sandra Bernhardt more as an actress because she was fucking great in it. Oh, she was fantastic. And Lewis's stand-up at the end. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, De Niro's stand-up at the end. It was great. It was great. He was, you know, he he would make a really solid feature, I think. I yeah, when we when, when <laughs> we got when we got drunk, I asked him about Sandra Bernhardt, and he said, nah, "I don't know you that well," so he didn't get along with her. Oh, really? But that's the impression he gave. Did you ask him about the stand-up? Like, not he... necessarily. I do know when we first, the very first day we met, like when we met him, I met in a big, like you know, empty, what would you call it, like a you know, a soundstage mm -hmm. in Culver City, and afterwards I left, he left. We we kind of all rehearsed the scene hour two hours. Someone told me I was an ex cop from New York, and and um, even when I met him, I'll tell you the way the mind works. My dad was a New York City fireman, and there was no such thing as direct deposit, and you get paid every two weeks in New York City. And we lived in a part of Long Island that was on the way out to Long Island. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like in other words, if you lived in Palmdale, and but North Hollywood is where you got on the highway. So every other Friday, a strange fireman was in my kitchen dropping off my dad's check. If my dad was at the firehouse, my mom needed the money. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus all the firemen that we knew. It's a different culture. We all hung out together. The kids hung out together. You're the rescue people. First, and well, it's just the way they look. Yeah. That's, that's, so here it is. De Niro's supposed to be there at 10. He's not here. We start rehearsing 10, 15, 10, 20. In this big, huge hangar, all of a sudden the door flops open. This little guy comes walking in, spills his coffee. The lid pops open. Now he's, it's all over. And he's got the gray wings and a little black jacket. 
And I didn't, my mind didn't go, there's Robert De Niro. My mind said, what the fuck is one of my dad's friends from the <laughs> firehouse walking towards me for? That's how weird the fucking mind works. Wow. In other words, he looked, and maybe he also looked so familiar to me. You know what I mean? That, yeah. yeah. Um, and there was another time in the movie where I got shot. Did you ever see 15 Minutes? No. I get shot, and I'm rolling around the streets of New York City, and they say, cut. And I look up. Now, I'm laying in New York City. There's 500 people around, fucking everything, cameras. I look up. All I see is Robert De Niro and my real dad looking down at me. Oh, wow. And my real dad throws me under the bus and goes, this fat fuck, it's going to take him nine moves to get up. <laughs> oh, jeez. And, and De Niro and my dad. My dad has to do an inside joke at my expense to, do, to Robert De Niro. Oh, God, that's funny. Yeah, and that's we, a good line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good um, line. Oh, Mr. Saturday Night. Fa one of my favorites. Buddy Young Jr. Oh Buddy my Young God, Jr. that's how that's how we clicked right away because I knew that. Okay, I I've met Billy that. Crystal once. We did oh. a table reading. Really? Oh. Did you talk to him about that? All oh, I shook his hand and I said, "Don't get me started." And he looked at me and goes, "Do I know you?" Don't get <laughs> me started. I said, uh, "We have a, a mutual friend named Seth Schultz." He goes, "How is Seth?" I go, "He killed himself." Ooh, sorry to hear that. Mm. And that was the day I saw De Niro. Now was a year later, mm -hmm. after 15 minutes. This was the reading for Analyze That, the shitty one that nobody liked. Right. Were you in that? No, th but they, they promised me a role if I did the table reading. Oh. And it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> I read 11 characters. Cop one, you know, Muggsy, you know, bad guy number seven. Right. <clears throat> there was uh, about 10 people at the table reading. Executives, executives, executives. So many so that they just sucked the fun out of it. They yeah. sucked it out to the point where... They said, everyone introduce yourself. I'm Billy Crystal, I'm Robert De Niro. I'm Joshua. I was last, and I was dying to say, I'm Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> and they, they, they were so uptight, they would have thought that this guy's a racist. He and hates a lesbians. Yeah. He's a homophobe. Who hired him? But before we did the table reading, I saw De Niro from like 30 feet away, and I was curious if he knew, remembered me, if he knew I'd be there. And I could tell by when he walked in, you know, this is just another piece of business. He's not getting a list who's there at a table reading. Right. Uh, so I hadn't seen him in a year. But you got to remember, I got drunk with him. I worked with him for a couple months. My dad called me a fat fuck, and they both laughed at me. Um, I saw him from across the room. Boom. Big smile. Big smile. Wow. And I walked over. I go, John, the rest of 15 minutes. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> he goes, what have you been doing? The runaround with the comedy? Because he knows, you know what I mean? You're doing a runaround with the clubs? I go, I was hoping for a 15 minutes part two, <laughs> but I guess that's not going to happen because it was a bomb at the theaters. Yeah. Um, and he said this, quote, you put your heart and soul into these things and sometimes they just don't work out. Mm. So one, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. Years later, years, I do a joke. You guys have seen probably my act. I do a thing. I'm in Miss Congeniality and you can see the whole audience go, he's in it. Right. I mean, I had to lose a guy in 10 days. He's in that. He's probably lying. I had five TV shows about woodworking. Oh, this guy, he's fucking, I feel bad for him. No one knows. Yeah, but now I, I set the bit up because, I, like, no one knows me, no one knows me, no one knows me. Then I go, what about how to lose a guy in 10 days? And this is hundreds of times of doing this on stage, of just conversating and finding where the funny is. Mm -hmm. I said, remember the card game in Staten Island bullshit? And I've had audiences of hundreds all go, Oh, like the recognition. The wife goes, it's him, Joey. They know the character's name. I don't even, Joey. I go, I go, remember the big fat cop holding the baby? And everyone goes, oh, I go, I played the baby. 
So I get him going one way, yeah. and then I <laughs> zing him the whole other way. Do the yeah. turn, yeah. But in that little setup, I go, I'm going to move you to Nero called 15 Minutes. And everyone's like, you're in it for 50? What? They never even heard of the movie. One out of 200 people will scream out, that was a great movie. I got it down, right? So about a year ago, right before John Lovett's club closed, I get a call. Do you want to do a benefit for a wrestling team from Santa Monica that coach has cancer? I said, of course. You're going to headline. Fucking of course. It's going to be fun. Can I curse? You do whatever you want. I'm on stage. Now, you got to remember, I've told that story a million times about De Niro. I was hoping for you know, How many people have said to De Niro, it's home for a part two, but your movie sucks so bad. There's going to be no part two. I don't think any person. Any person, right? That, and no one talked to him the way I did. I would make jokes about him. And he'd make. I walked up on him and Ed Burns and he went, shh, here he is. <laughs> fucking Robert De Niro, such a good actor. I go, the fucking motherfucker was talking about me behind my back. Like, I actually believed, believed him. It, yeah. Yeah. Another time he came late and, he, and we were all rehearsing this car chase with these little cars. He's going to go here. This is going to. And he came. We we're all looking down. and He came slipping up late and he looked at me and he goes, I was late. I got stuck in the subway. And it was. <laughs> And I go, this fucking asshole takes the subway? And he was he was joking, but he's such a good actor. So <sighs> I always tell the story about I was hoping for 15 minutes, part two. That's not going to happen. I'm on stage at John Lovitz. I'm killing, I'm killing. Hey, the wrestling coach, the best, you know, the cancer. Let's, you know, I'm to North Hollywood, you know, Roosters, wife, being married sucks, Fran Frank. My daughter's name is misspelled in my tattoo. You know, all my bits. All the bits. I get to the. Any guys working? I was in. Uh, I was in Miss Congeniality. Uh, Miss Congeniality too. You you were in that. Uh, like I was in a movie with Robert De Niro called Fifteen Minutes. Out of the corner of my eye, you guys worked at Lovett's. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a guy standing where the stairs are. Mm -hmm. Shiny suit, little gray in his hair, and he's gesticulating, and he's yelling while I'm talking about Fifteen Minutes, and my mind went. Fucking Robert De Niro is fucking yelling at me. And I look down and the guy goes, who directed you in that movie? Who put you in that movie? It was the director. Oh, wow. my John God. Hertzfeld. Okay. His son is on the wrestling team. Oh, oh my, my God. And he's the big cheese in that high school. He's the big director and blah, blah, blah. The kid that was this tall in the movie, now he's a fucking, you know, steroids, tattoos. <laughs> wow. So I said, hey, give it up, John. He put, he put, he's the guy that put, because he literally said to the casting director, this is the guy I want. I don't give a fuck. He was an ex-New York City cop. But that's not the funny part of the story. I do my set. I come off stage. Now we're at the stairway up the stairs with the little light. Right. Now the next, you know, the round doing a fucking raffle, giving away shit. And he goes, oh, man, you fucking killed it. It's so good to see you. you lost weight. You're tan. What have you, you been up to? You want to be in some movies? I said, yeah, fucking course I want to be in movies. He goes, hey, do you see Ed Burns at all? I go, Ed put me in two things, and then we just kind of lost touch. He goes, uh, somebody needs a table. He goes, what about Robert De Niro? Did you ever see him again? I go, you know, it's funny. I saw him about a year later at this thing from across the room. He goes, what have you been up to? And I go, I was now I'm telling the fucking guy whose movie sucked that I did an inside joke with Robert De Niro how much your fucking movie sucked. And while it's coming out of my fucking mouth, I'm realizing this is You're the only guy on earth that's gonna that shouldn't hear this story. Yeah, exactly. And I go, you know, but they, I go, I was hoping for a part two. But, you know, that ain't going to happen. And that's what, uh, that's the way I always tell it. Everyone oh. laughs. And I go, you know, because De Niro got killed. You know, at the end, he got killed. It was the stupidest oh. fucking thing. 
you know, he got I, killed. That's still a good save. <laughs> still a good save in the yeah. moment, but gee, it's probably coming out of your mouth going, shut the fuck this up. This is not, this is the one guy you don't, after he just said, do you want to be in any more movies? You killed. Thanks for doing the benefit. Like, he doesn't know I just did another set. Yeah. He thinks I came off the road to lose 80 grand. <laughs> you know? That's the funniest thing that what's Andy Kindler ever said when they used to do those stupid fucking uh, Montreal comic things. relief for the bums. Yeah. <laughs> He goes, yeah, all the comedians, they, they gave up their busy schedule. They're not going to make $150 in Valencia tonight. <laughs> I love it. That's the fucking, funniest thing he ever said. I love Kindler, man. Uh-huh. That's fucking great. Dude, thank you so much, by the way, for coming and doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, awesome. neighbors that was my wife. I don't know if you guys know. She's down in the car. Oh, is she? <laughs> did, you leave the, did you leave the windows open a little bit? Did you give it a all the way up, 140 degrees in there. <laughs> well, oh, you're geez. a good man. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online, by the way, John? Uh, at John DeResta, if anybody wants to tweet me, at John DeResta. Uh, I'm on Facebook, John DeResta. DeResta and Son Custom Woodwork on Facebook. And um, I have a – can I tell one more quick funny story? Yeah, yeah. Right. We'll close uh, okay, I, my son is my son has tattoos, and he, you know, he thinks he's a tough guy. If you guys haven't met him. I you know, know him. Well, he's Absolutely. got rap boys, ta- tattoos, and you know, yeah. we work together every day, and everyone goes, that must be great. I go, no, it's, it's my son, and I'm his boss. Mm-hmm. And we're making things out of, you know, we're not doing rubber stamp in a factory. We're mm-hmm. creating things out of thin air. So yeah. we have a lot of disputes. How do we do it? How do we paint it? And he's like, I'm online. This is the way the wood whisperer would do it. You know, he <laughs> follows all these guys. You know what I mean? This whole, like, new crew, and I'm old school. And I one day I said, dude, you know, I said, don't mess with me. I'm a motherfucker. Uh-huh. I said, you understand? I'm a motherfucker. And he goes, yeah, right. Whose mother have you ever fucked? Yours. I said, yours. <laughs> <laughs> and then drop the fucking mic. Thank you. Good night. Oh, John, thank fantastic. you. Okay, thank you, guys. I appreciate so it, man. Funny. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Obviously, AllisonComedy.com and Allison Comedy on all the uh, thingies. All the social media. Yes. And, uh, of course, you guys know me. FlipIsFunny.com at Flip Schultz on Twitter. I'm doing some periscoping, too. Find me on there. And uh, what's for dinner podcast.com and at WFD podcast on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, John DeResta, for doing this. We'll see you next week. Yay! What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds.